Well, I wonder, as you got up this morning, if you were really looking forward to coming and being here at church, or was it a little bit of a ordeal or a difficulty to get up and get moving? I wonder, you know, sometimes we look forward to coming to church more than others. Uh, sometimes there are services that are more appealing than others. Maybe one of your favorite services is the Thanksgiving service. I always in, enjoy that. Or perhaps the candlelight uh, service during our Christmas season. Or the children's musical. Or it's always a, a joy to be able to come to a baptismal service, especially if it's one of your family members that is being baptized. Or a service of child dedication. Seeing parents that want to present their children to the Lord and committing themselves to rear their children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those are always special times. Well, we have in our text this morning a celebration that Jesus said he was tremendously looking forward to. My key verse this morning is from Luke 22, verse 15. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, that is the disciples, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus desired to eat this Passover for Jesus' death and resurrection would be the ultimate fulfillment of Passover. And I'd like to unpack that for you a little bit before we actually enter into our partaking of communion together. But I want to look at this statement of Jesus, that he had earnestly desired to eat this Passover with his disciples before he would suffer. The first thing I note is that Jesus was looking forward to eating the Passover meal with his disciples. Notice in verse 15 these words, I have earnestly desired. NIV translates that, I have eagerly desired. King James takes the most literal approach when it says, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. This word to desire with desire is to want something with a great deal of intensity. To desire something with a very strong longing. Jesus couldn't wait to eat of this Passover meal. It was in anticipation for him for a long period of time. He was looking forward to eating the Passover meal. But it wasn't just any Passover meal. It was this particular Passover meal that he was looking forward to. If you notice in verse 15, it says, I have earnestly desired to eat not the Passover with you, but this Passover with you. Whether you have the ESV, the NAS, the King James, the NIV, whatever the case may be, it all uses that demonstrable pronoun, this. It is this Passover that Jesus looked forward to. It was the Passover of all Passovers. This was going to be a celebration unlike any that he had already entered into with his disciples. Jesus had already eaten Passovers in the past with his disciples, but this one was unique. And so he was really looking forward to this particular Passover. That, even though 
it meant that he was going to suffer. Notice verse 15. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you, and now these words, before I suffer. Before I suffer. Jesus knew that this Passover meal was the prelude to his suffering. And his suffering would be in a diverse manner. There would be in many, many different forms. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, it states, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the, thir- on the first day. If you notice in Luke chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it reads, Now the feast of unbroken bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death. Jesus had said, the chief priests and scribes are going to kill me. Jesus knew that his suffering was necessary. In Luke 24, 46, it says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Again, he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Jesus was eager to eat this Passover meal, even though it meant that the suffering was going to follow. It's like the child that looks forward to the end of summer but realizes that school's right around the corner. Well, here, Jesus understands that this Passover meal is going to be the introduction to all his suffering, and yet it's with great desire that he wants to eat it. The reason that Jesus is looking forward to this particular Passover meal was because it was a fulfillment of all that foreshadowed in the original Passover. He was eager because this great Passover meal was about to be fulfilled. Notice verse 16. For I tell you, here's the reason. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Notice verse 18. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. This would be the last Passover meal that Jesus would eat until the kingdom comes. The it refers to Passover. The it refers to Passover. Jesus knew that his suffering was not wasted. But rather, the suffering was a part of all that was foreshadowed in Passover. If I can just do a very brief review for you concerning Passover itself. Passover, of course, was that event that was uh, commemorated in the Passover meal in which, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were in the bondage of Egypt. And God sent plagues upon the nation of Egypt in order for the children of Israel to be set free in order to be able to follow him. 
And the greatest plague was that of the judgment that would come upon the firstborn of uh, the nation of Egypt. But there was a sparing of any that would sacrifice a Passover lamb and spread the blood on the lintels and the doorposts of their abode that the angel would pass over and would not strike dead the firstborn in that particular family. There were three things that were dramatically foreshadowed in the Passover. The first was deliverment from God's judgment. Deliverment from God's judgment. Let me actually read the text of which I just described. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves, according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. It was the deliverance from God's judgment. Jesus is going to be the ultimate Passover lamb. He's going to be sacrificed the very next day as he hangs upon the cross first to deliver his people from God's judgment. He bore God's wrath so that we would not have to. The second aspect that is foreshadowed in the Passover uh, meal was deliverance of God's people from their bondage in Egypt. Deliverance from God's people from their bondage in Egypt. Exodus twelve forty and following the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt, so that this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all people of Israel throughout their generations. The third element that was foreshadowed in the Passover was the inauguration of a kingdom. God was in the process of establishing a kingdom. God was leading his people out of their bondage in Egypt to the promised land. Exodus 3.8. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God was leading them on a journey to the promised land. Jesus' death is going to be the fulfillment of all that was foreshadowed in the Passover. Notice Luke 22, verse 15. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. All three of the elements of Passover 
were fulfilled in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus' death delivers his people from God's judgment and wrath. That Jesus' death would deliver us from the bondage of sin. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. As the children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt, we were in bondage to sin. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we have been freed from that bondage. And now we are free to be able to serve him. And that Jesus' death will be the inaugural of his kingdom. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 says this, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Just as the children of Israel were brought out of the land of Egypt in order to serve God, we have been brought out of uh, our bondage to sin and the kingdom of the evil one in order to be made a kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the establishment of the kingdom that is stressed in our text as the fulfillment of Passover. Notice verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 18. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. This is not a vow of abstinence. It is a prophetic anticipation of what is to take place. Jesus says, I am never ever going to eat of a Passover meal again until the kingdom of God comes. That's what is next. In the Passover of Christ's death and resurrection, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated. God rules in the hearts of all those who trust in his salvation. In part, this is a recognition of who and what God is. In Luke 17, 20, it says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Again, Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Note that's in a present tense. We are a part of God's kingdom now. A kingdom that we were not a part of before. He has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is the aspect of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He forgives our sins and sits on the throne of our lives. He rules over our thoughts and actions. We acknowledge his supremacy and rejoice in his protection. We own him as our savior and king. We bring our allegiance to him, not perfectly to be sure, but we own our responsibility to be under his rule and under his authority, Grateful for his protection and provision. 
But that's not the end of the story. There's more to it. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, it says, It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Hebrews teaches us that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he conquered sin and death. And not just sin and death, but every principality and power and might and dominion Everything that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Everything has been put under the feet of the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2 says, concerning Christ, who being in the form of God, who being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant. Who being formed in a fashion of a servant, humbled himself unto death. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory <coughs> excuse me, of God the Father. Everything which is in heaven and which is in earth and even under the earth. One day, every knee will bow. Right now, by the grace of God, our knees are bowing before Christ. We are recognizing him as our king. But one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to come to this earth and he's going to reign. He's going to reign. The future kingdom is a kingdom with a visible earthly manifestation in which Christ reigns over all people. Those who recognize him as Lord and those who only give nominal recognition. And a kingdom in which absolute authority he will maintain external peace, safety, and righteousness. Revelation 20 verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of men that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. It is this future kingdom that Jesus is primarily alluding to in the passage before us. Again, look at verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And again in verse 18. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom to which he is referring, note down to verse 28. 28, same passage, Luke 22. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom. 
that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, I'm not going to eat of this until I eat it in the kingdom. And then he says in verses 28 through 30 that you are going to eat this with me in my kingdom. When Jesus Christ returns and establishes his kingdom on earth. Revelation 19 says this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted for her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. One day, one day, we are going to eat and drink with our risen Lord and Savior. Today, as we partake of communion, let us partake of it with anticipation, with a longing, with a desire that we would be able to enter into that last and great communion of fellowship with the Lamb the one who's purchased us from our sins. That's why it tells us in parallel passages with communion, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. That's what we're anticipating. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in which there is the ultimate consummation of all that began with his death on the cross and his resurrection. Ultimately, that kingdom being established. It couldn't be established without his death, without his resurrection. For he had to save us from our sins. He had to deliver us from the bondage that we were in. And he is taking us on a journey. A journey in which one day we're going to participate in a kingdom a kingdom that is here on earth, and then ultimately a kingdom that's going to be established in a new heaven and a new earth where the triune God is going to reign forever and ever and we're going to be his people. That is communion. Celebrating that fellowship. Looking forward with anticipation to eating with the risen Lord and Savior in his kingdom. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that through his death and resurrection that we can experience the forgiveness of sins if we put our faith and trust solely in him. Lord, we know it's not our goodness plus your goodness, for our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Lord, the wages of sin is death, you have told us. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are thankful, O God, that Jesus Christ gave of himself 
on that cross. And Lord, we know that if there were any other way to be saved, Jesus never would have died on that cross. But because there is no other way, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me, we acknowledge today that it is only by Jesus Christ, it's only by his shed blood, it's only by his righteousness that we have righteousness. That our iniquities were placed on him and his righteousnesses were placed on us. We thank you for that wonderful transferal. We thank you, O God, that you have begun to deliver us from sin. We thank you that our lives are beginning to change. We thank you that we now have the opportunity to live for you and to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we long for the day in which ultimately your kingdom is going to be established, that you'll rule over all things, and we will rule with you. Oh God, thank you as we acknowledge that all of this is achieved solely by the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anyone here this morning who has yet to place their faith and trust in Christ, that today would be that day, that uh, they would look to you and seek forgiveness of sins based only, only on what Jesus Christ has done for them. Lord, uh, meet with us in this Passover meal as we think of this wonderful celebration that has been fulfilled completely in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us a sense of anticipation of the coming of our Lord and Savior. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.